I don't buy into okay, pass the torch. No, grab that torch and light that torch now. Yeah. Right? People behind me, I tell them they say, get your own torch. And I say, Oh, okay, I get it. I would have started my own organization. Right? You feel where I'm going? Right. Now it doesn't mean some folks don't stay too long. Don't get me wrong. That's too but on the general sense, I say you are your own torch. Welcome to the Black Agenda Podcast. I'm your co-host, Adrian Guest, here with my co-host, Devin Dito, and another great conversation with a fantastic guest today. Today's episode is about civic engagement, particularly in the Black community, but we think that anybody in every community can learn a little something from this. Listeners, today we're joined by Melanie Campbell. She's president and CEO of the National Coalition on Black Civic Participation. Melanie has been with the organization for over 25 years and has served as an advisor to U.S. presidents, congressional members, corporate, labor, nonprofit executives, philanthropists, faith leaders, and others on critical issues impacting Black America. Melanie has served as a featured writer for the National Urban League's State of Black America and is regularly featured in Essence, Washington Post, MSNBC, AM Joy, Roland Martin Unfiltered, USA Today, Washington Informer, Comcast Newsmakers for Black History Month, and highlighted by Sephora. She was recently awarded the Sustainer of the Flame Freedom Flame Award by the Bridge Crossing Jubilee during the 55th anniversary of the Selma to Montgomery March in 2020. So listeners, as we always say, another highly respected, highly qualified guest. And uh, Melanie, we thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. Honored to be here with my fellow Southerners. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. That's right, listeners. Melanie is from the uh, from Florida. We know we were joking off the uh, off the show that some people don't associate Florida as the South, but it is. So we are all coming <laughs> folk there. <laughs> so Melanie, just to kind of start off our conversation within our first segment, um, we wanted to kind of talk a little bit about political uh, political parties and election engagement, just because we know this year and going into next year, we do have some elections coming up, municipals and local elections this year, of course, federal next year. But when we talk about civic engagement, it's something that we feel like many people strive for, but they fall short of. And we know that there's a lot of stories in the 60s when African-Americans around the country had to come together to really push for their civic duties during the marches and things like that. And we saw in 2020 how really voter participation increased. I think it was about 66.7% of eligible voters. So, Melanie, kind of starting us off, when you explain to uh, people and our listeners, um, why is voting and election engagement not only just one part of it when you come to civic engagement? Because a lot of people think voting is just one element, but kind of explain to us why that's just not the only part. Uh, thank you so much. Um, what did I see as civic engagement? Voting is a component of that. It's one of the tools in the toolbox, right? Uh, but it's also uh, showing up when uh, and 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 making your demands. It's your it's uh, uh, utilizing ability to to make sure that uh, people hear your issues, uh, elevate your voice on a concern or a collective voice. Um, it's protesting, you know, some people say, well, that's social justice. And I said, well, yeah, but the act of engagement uh, is also protest. Um, it's um, also, in my opinion, it's running for office. You engage, that word engagement is what I want people to really focus on. Ways that you engage to move the, uh, on the concerns you have 
or the aspirations you may have, right? So it's not all about fighting back, but it's also fighting for what you uh, what you want for yourself, for your family, for your community, in this nation, in this world. And so, uh, I, so I see it as a whole um, holistic approach, and seeing voting as core, the underbelly of it. It's like the foundation, because if you don't have a voice with that vote. Uh, then it's very difficult for you to move on policies and things that happen and others will make that decision for you, which is why I believe um, when we think about the history for black people in this country, we've always had to fight to be able to have the right to vote. Um, and so there's a reason for that because it is also about uh, power and uh, opportunity and access. That's exactly right. I mean, a lot of people, We'll focus a lot on voting. We'll vote during the federal election for president. And then we kind of just disengage and we'll see you in four years. It's kind of the, the attitude that a lot of people take. Um, and one of the re- things, you you know, when you're talking about engaging, that means making your voice heard, articulating your demands. And, uh, and the way that a lot of people do that is through picking a political party, you know, that kind of helps to set an agenda of things that we need to focus on, things that you believe in. And the two-party political system now in 2021 has been under a lot of criticism uh, for for what some people think is they're helping to divide the country because the politics has become so extreme. There doesn't seem to be a willingness to come to the table and actually work on things and trying to move the football forward. It's rather a game of maintaining and regaining power. That seems to what we've kind of delved into now. And so just kind of based on your expertise in civic engagement, just what is the role? What is the role of major political parties like the Democratic Party and the Republican Party? And and do you believe they're helping or hurting, um, you know, civic engagement federally, locally on a, or on a state level? Um, I will say that I think right now our concern is where I could look 20 years ago, even if I didn't agree and say that uh, with a party's platform that they had one. Right. So on a federal level right now, and this is not this is not promoting. It's just factual. You have a you have one party that has platform and another one that they don't. They didn't have a platform. I'm talking about the Republican Party from a federal level. They literally had a convention where they didn't have people come Mm -hmm. and weigh in on a party platform. I've never seen that happen in my lifetime. And maybe it happened somewhere else. I got to go back and get the history, do my history lessons, but I've never seen anything like that. But what you do have is a a a particular um, a focus. You mentioned the word power, right? And and you have a almost a cult like mentality to uh, pushing for a singular leader in the former president being the voice of a certain element of our country that is bought into uh, what's not fact, just lies. And I'm just, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. And so you're not hearing people. And, and, and then that former president guided people into a frenzy, but it had to be there already. It, uh, the ability uh, to get people to decide that a pre- this particular election wasn't legitimate. Or when President, even prior to the, the past president, when President Obama won, had the first African American. There's a lot of things that are related to unfinished business of race in this country, uh, and 
uh, uh, concerned by white people that they're going to be replaced mm-hmm. uh, by the darker people, right? And mm-hmm. there's those things that are uh, that seem to be driving that. I come from Florida, where I've seen some of the craziest things that I didn't see growing up, even though uh, you know I'm a first generation integration baby, right? So um, segregation uh, it was something that happened before. You know, my, my time, but my parents and grandparents, of course, lived through that all the way down to slavery. But we're in this moment where policies, uh, things like even the vaccination, everything is politicized off of untruth. And some things are just like, make. so I, I have a level of, I was on a conversation yesterday with someone and they said, well, what is the solution? The, the solution, the only thing I say is, those who believe in inclusion have to find a way to be more aggressive than those who don't. And and so if you have people who are willing to uh, to stand on lies and not truth, besides what it does to kids growing up going, well, how does this work, right? Uh, which is his own issue. Then those of us who believe that inclusion have to be more aggressive. I think part of what I see wrong with the Democratic Party is that they're living off of what used to be um rational thinking, but that's not what's happening. When you had people show up, you know, I live up here in, in this bubble up here in Washington, D.C., was where my office is anyway, and the reality of what happened on January 6th should have been a game changer, mm-hmm. but it wasn't. And why wasn't it? Because you still have the ability for people, a certain uh, party, to just grab a hold of that. Then you have a Another party, the Democratic Party, who says, okay, well, we're, we want to play fair. Who's playing fair here? And I think we're in a, in a real critical moment where there, there are some who believe they will change what kind of uh, government structure it is to maintain that power. And it's not even logical power. It's not just about economics. It's about the power to be in the, the top of the food chain and everybody else be damned. I hope I'm okay. Then. <laughs> you're yeah, fine. you are. You're fine. <laughs> we, yeah, we we love the frankness because the moment calls for that. You know, the things are. I mean, frank, they are pretty bad. Things are pretty dire, and the this, the engagement is not what we want, especially in our community. It's like. You know, my, my follow up to what you were saying was just like, so it's like we have the blueprint. We saw what happened during the civil rights movement. And we saw if we get out there and we kind of we band together, we work as a group towards common causes and, and goals, we can get things done. Uh, it seems like now we've kind of forgotten that. It's like we've kind of gotten detached from that. So just kind of maybe talk about what it is. Where 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 did it go off the beaten path of like, do you think that once we passed, we got the civil rights, you know, legislation passed that people just kind of was like, took a deep breath and just like, all right, our work is done here. We can relax. You know, what kind of what do you think happened between, say, the, the 60s and, and now to how we got here? Well, I think, well, I think that um, we never stopped fighting. I just think that. uh we, we may drop the ball here and there, but we pick it back up. Uh, there's a drumbeat that goes on in our community when we see, when we feel, and I think it has a lot to do with our history. There's something instinctive that shows us there's danger, right? And I think that um, when the village uh, is on fire, we tend to, they're not saying we're solving all the social ills, but there's something about 
um, uh, collective danger where we've been that 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 um, that impacts our spirit. And when they when they least expect for us to, we do show up. Right? I'm just talking about politics now, the ele- elections, but also I think what we saw last year and. With the, with what happened with George Floyd and you know all of those things mm-hmm. and the, the level of young people showing up reminded it's and, and look I would show up at those protests just to be support of the younger generation showing up like having been in this work as long as I had you know I've been on the front line and I'll be on the front line but sometimes you don't have to be sometimes you just want to be there in support and I think part of the frustration that young people like that I work with are like, they're not seeing the results of that yet. And I tell them you have to hold on and keep fighting because the enemy never sleeps. And so it it doesn't feel good to say, I got to keep fighting, but if you don't fight and then win and then go sit, and we sometimes do that. We sometimes go, oh, okay, we got that. And it's not just black people. It's, I think it's something human. Like, okay, we got that done. No, there are, there is no such thing as winning and sitting on the sideline, I think it's going to stay that way. And so I think what what happened for me and, and a lot of people that I work with, you know, you get you get you get burnt, you can get burnt out, right? Burnout. It is that. So you also have to find a way to balance it all, you know, and find some and, and don't let uh, what's the old people uh, who say don't let this devil steal your joy. You still got to have some joy in your life, but you got to also know you got to fight um, to to, to uh, maintain. Uh, the opportunities that we have to fight for. And it's, it's just part of the, the history of this country. And it's getting brown. And Lord knows when the census numbers came out, people <laughs> really started freaking out and saying, yeah. white population went down for the first time in, in quarter history. There's a lot of people freaking out out here. You know, but the reality, I tell some of my white friends, we're not planning on doing to you what you did to us. What we are going to do is going to demand our fair share of what we put in and what our ancestors put in, that demand we are going to have. I don't mean, you know, because we all want good and, and, and opportunity, but even the fight, which uh, a lot of a lot of us haven't been showing up, even the fight to stop talking about race in schools that's happening in these state legislatures and had all these laws being passed, all of that's a part of a strategy too, to erase. Oh, Yes the history or rewrite the history. And it's been rewritten a whole lot of times. And there's been a demand primarily coming from young people that we want to if it, deal with real truth. So there's this fight between truth and lies. <laughs> and I hate to use that term. But I did. You know, it's amazing what you have to say to keep it real. It's like, it's just straight up lies. Right. And so the lie uh, or 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 the erasure of our history is something we can't allow to stand either, because that means generations coming behind will think that there was no role for black people, and then you, the, the racism and the bigotry continues. You're absolutely right. Whenever I, I you know talk to people about the you know the, the 
the plight of minorities, whether it's black, you know, LGBTQ women, doesn't mm-hmm. matter. It's a, a never ending struggle here in America. And we have to consider it, you know, a, a long term mission because unfortunately um, we're outnumbered and the majority wants to keep that power. So we really appreciate you, Melanie, for giving a lot of context to what's going on in this first segment. And listeners, what we're going to do, we're going to take our first break. When we come back, we really want to learn more about the work of the National Coalition on Black Civic participation. So our second segment is going to highlight the organization. So stick with us. We'll be right back. We absolutely appreciate your support. You are the foundation and our efforts work to better your communities. Tell your family and friends so we can all work to bring progress. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Black Agenda Pod. That's at Black Agenda Pod. Let's get back to the show. All right, listeners, welcome back. Let's get into our second segment. Remember, we're joined today by Melanie Campbell, President and CEO of the National Coalition on Black Civic Participation. And as I said, Melanie, before the break, we want to dive into the organization, learn, you know, learn a little bit more about what you all are doing. So we wanted to kind of start off with this, you know, for the National Coalition on Black Civic Participation, just give our listeners, you know, an overview of the mission and the overall message of the organization. Uh, well, the National Coalition on Black Civic Participation, long name, uh, is uh, been around 45 years, right? And our focus really is uh, to increase Black civic engagement, um, but with a mission to really impact civil rights and social justice. Um, and we do that through building coalitions uh, around the work, building you to try to build tables unit we have something called a unity campaign that we try to pull organizations together to work collectively not just from national groups but state-based groups as well uh i also uh, uh lead our women and girls empowerment um uh, a program called black women's roundtable which is really really its own has a life of its own um, as far as people think it's a separate organization, but it's the arm of, um, and we focus on women and girls and we have four areas that we focus in for women and girls. And that's, um, health and wellness, uh, economic security and prosperity, education and global empowerment. Uh, our third signature program is black youth vote. Uh, and this youth led is a peer to peer, uh, uh, program that, uh, is led by Gen Z and millennials, um, and we focus on training the next gen um, and also having young people to leverage their power uh, through civic engagement and voting. Um, but also there's a black male initiative component to that that we started that we're re- reestablishing. Um, and it's a it's called the Gathering of Black Men and Boys, uh, where we go to Capitol Hill um, for and, and do advocacy training for young uh, men. Uh, men and boys to ha- uh, raise their voices and elevate their issues. And we do this so because with the Black Women's Roundtable, we have a big uh, summit every year. We go on Capitol Hill. We have an agenda. We're trying to do some of that uh, as well for Black uh, uh, men and boys. Um, we go to jail when we have to. <laughs> uh, uh, we, we do pro- we're, we're not necessarily seen as a protest organization, but uh, uh, we, we, we are really engaged in a lot of that around voting rights um, as a part of, we feel, the core to our organization. Um, and, and that's generally, that's the big picture of who we are. 
the five hundred one c three. No, but that's but that's great. And and one of the things you touched on was the next question, which was engaging with the youth. You know, talking with the youth, getting them engaged, getting them involved on a local level, explaining this is how things work. This is what you need to do to organize. And that's you know you touched on it. Some people do get burned out. We've got leaders who've been around for a very long time and they're going to eventually have to step aside and let the next generation come forward. And so, you know, our question, you know, generally was just kind of like why, I mean, you kind of touched on a little bit, but maybe go into more detail on why it's so crucial to go ahead and connect with the gens, you know, the Gen Z generation, uh, generation Z and millennials and get, you know, and train them and mobilize them so they can get it, get involved now. So just talk about why that mission is so important and, you know, to your organization. I think if we, if, because uh, first of all, young people historically in movements are really uh, a lot of times the, the engine, if you will, it really keeps the movements going. So I think if organizations don't have that as a core part of why uh, a, a core component uh, of what they have, then the organization will die. Right. And we've seen that. The other is that what we try to do with the coalition is uh, support new new uh, organizations. Institution building is critical and important as well. Um, so that even if your organization, I hate this term, people want to say legacy, which I hate that term. Uh, I don't get what that means uh, in the context. But if you've been around a while, right, and if you don't have uh, a very, have young people at the table, not just, you know, not a kitty table, but at the table. And I was blessed to be trained that way. I come out of, I mentioned Florida via Georgia, and I was around a lot, and I was at these tables. But I learned by being at the table, but I also was able to bring forth uh, my own ideas. And we started, I was, you know, in my, which wouldn't have been, this would have been younger, much, much younger. You know, we started our own organizations also. So I think that's part of it. And so the ability to, um, to also, pour in in various ways that have to be under one umbrella. It's the idea that you you also support new ideas and fresh ideas, but also we can learn from each other, especially when technology is what it is. And, hmm. and, and I'm constantly learning, you know, from young people when it comes to things like that, you know, and the, the, the ability to get on a podcast, like, oh, okay, okay. You know what I'm saying? Just the way... <laughs> Uh, we get information is very different than it was 20 years ago. You're absolutely right again, Melanie. And that's why I say, you know, no offense to uh, Representative Benny Thompson or Senator Chuck Schumer or anybody, but that's why I believe that sometimes it's time to pass the torch. You said it there when you're talking about being able to kind of think about different ways, just, you know, to have ideas, of, you know, to simulate information, uh, have different movements to push forward. Um, so that I'm glad you, you said that. And one question to kind of follow around off this segment and to go back to what you talked about, you know, Black Women's Roundtable, I wanted to make sure to highlight that because we had an uh, interview, a conversation with Jennifer Farmer, where we talked about the extra struggle that Black women have in the workplace. Um, Because not only are you Black, which, you know, people put you down, and then if you're a woman, people put you down, but you've got a double whammy when you're both. And we can imagine that there's probably some struggles that Black women have within social justice that your organization are working to overcome. So with that Black Women's Roundtable, how are y'all working to kind of, you know, get get across some of those struggles for uh, Black women? Um, be unapologetic about the power we have. Uh, 
in a different way, not not being disrespectful of any anybody, <laughs> but knowing that over these years, people say, oh, I'll use the party as an example, Democratic Party. Oh, Black women are just, as, you know, the greatest, and they turn out. But they say, but what are we getting for that vote? And so, just, and so that didn't just start with uh, a Kamala Harris ended up being vice president of the United States. It, it started much sooner than that. And it's not to say that uh, those who were behind other sisters who were who, whose shoulders we stand on. Um, I was blessed to be mentored by, by like Dr. Dorothy Height is one of my mentors, and many many others uh, as well, and who taught us that we have to also lead and mentor at the same time. I think I think uh, one of the things that's really important is that uh, we um, work in, in intergenerational, intergenerationally, right, and um, across the various uh, sectors of our of our community, young, seasoned um, uh, women, men, LGBTQ, faith, labor, those are. Everybody has a seat at the table if we're trying to move an agenda. Now, does it mean we agree on everything? Of course not, right? But it does mean if there are some common threads that bring us together, that's what makes, for, to me, an ability to uh, build and maintain and then expand power. So that, that, that but if we don't, and, and then when folks feel marginalized or this is not, um, this, I don't see myself in what you're doing, uh, it, it gets to be tough, and, 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 and it can be tough because sometimes it's generational. Um, it may be ideology, but if there are some core things that we can agree to, that's what coalition, you know. And being an organization that is quote unquote seen as a permanent coalition, it's not easy because there's a lot of factors that go into this work, and sometimes it's like, oh, well, that organization been around too long, or oh, that organization got too many older people, or oh, and so we can find all the things that divide us. But I'm I believe in the ability to find some common ground. And I also learn sometimes it doesn't work, but that doesn't mean you're not going to get up and think about how to keep going and, and keep moving forward. Great, great. And that's what it's about. I, I, I hope that we all as a country uh, and a society can get to a, a, a sense of common ground because that's what we, I feel like we've you know gotten so far away from that uh, and just focusing on the fact that, you know, Government organizations, nonprofits are for you know increasing the quality of life for people. So let's get back to that. But what we're going to do, listeners, we're going to take another break here, and when we come back. We're going to get into our last question segment with Melody here, and we want to talk about building a culture of civic engagement. That's what we really want to hammer in on, listeners. So stick with us. We'll be right back. We absolutely appreciate your support. You are the foundation and our efforts work to better your communities. Tell your family and friends so we can all work to bring progress. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Black Agenda Pod. That's at Black Agenda Pod. Let's get back to the show. All right, listeners, welcome back. Let's get into our third segment here. Remember, we're joined today by Melanie Campbell, President and CEO of the National Coalition on Black Civic Participation. And as I said in the break, Melody, the third segment um, is developing a culture of civic engagement. We always use the third segment to kind of, you know, send us to a, a mission forward. 
Um, as I had said, you know, kind of off, uh, off the podcast, I'm working on my MBA. And one of the projects that I had to do was talk to 10 people about a company that I wanted to start, which is a lobbying firm. As I spoke to people, they never, none of them really knew what a lobbying firm was and how politics really worked around lobbying and trying to petition your government to get changed. Nobody really knew about that. But you asked some questions about pop culture, you know, the record that, you know, Drake's new release and things of that nature. And people are suddenly more aware. And a lot of people just argue that politics are so partisan that they just don't care and they don't want to be a part of it. But to kind of, you know, start this segment, Melody, how do how do we combat this? How do we get people, especially people of color, to realize that being aware of the political climate is just as important as Nicki Minaj or anybody else? Um, well, I will say that other than the current moment, we find ourselves with so much polarization. Young people have been turning up, showing up, showing out. 2018 uh, election, young people uh, turned out in record numbers. Same thing in 2020. So I think part of it is, uh, even though uh, the way we deal with messaging, you brought up you know, how uh, the culture and how to utilize the culture to help bring the message. And that necessarily means celebrity. And you notice I didn't say celebrity because it, you all are celebrities. You all are influencers. And that word is used a lot, but it's about uh, voices that people trust, whether that's a family member, whether that's my, my brother next door, whoever that may, it, we all have a role to play. And I think part of it is sometimes people think it's go, you got to have all this experience. Sometimes it's just, no, I'm going to, I'm going to text all my friends and make sure they register. I'm gonna, so that, that, that when you break it all the way down to the cultural engagement, uh, um, if you will, that people have, and they can find ways to have uh, 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 ways to, to bring up these conversations. It also has to do with that. And that's what I say. That's why for us, with our Black You Vote program, it's like I tell people, young people have to talk to young people that, that are in their, in their circles. And if you can start with that circle and you just keep building around that, building around that, and, and, and utilizing the creativity that I think that comes with that. Like I never knew them to say this in the uh, last year's election. <laughs> I remember one of our um, young interns like, we want to do a TikTok. Now I'm just gonna be telling. Now I'm telling how old I am. I was like, was that? What's a TikTok? I was a TikTok. Candy was a TikTok. I had no idea. But all of the young people from Black You Vote, uh, from the different states, came together and everybody put together their piece of it and they created this TikTok around. Uh, actually, it wasn't about vote. It was about the census and how important the census was. But that thing uh, trended, if you will, right? Is that the term, right? <laughs> so, um, but it wasn't like some fancy studio that had to go put all this flashy-dashy. And so I think people want authenticity, right? And they want to believe that what this person that uh, really is not trying to um, bamboozle me or just give me smoke and mirror, but be real. And I think that's, that's what's needed when we have this whole culture around social media and all these things. And we have all these ways to communicate, but at the end of the day, it's still a, it's, it's a personal touch that people have. So even if you get a tweet, right. Or, 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 or and, um, uh, the ability to, to, to get this through these things right here, right. It still depends on, you know, who, who, 
I'm going to trust my friend before I trust my mother or father, right? <laughs> Look at what's happening with vaccinations. Ah! So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll stop there. Yeah. No, <laughs> you can go. It's, but it just, it shows the complexity of of trying to reach certain voters and getting that message across because it, like you say, you don't, it's not as simple as just going to talk to a celebrity and telling them, we need you to get this message out. Yeah, that works, but not everybody looks at celebrities as thought leaders and, you know, sources of political information or what I need to know about a vaccine rather. Um, There are other ways that we need to be trying to reach people. And like you say, it is a, a battle between truth and a lot of lies that are, that are flying around on Twitter and Facebook and in Instagram, YouTube, and people have picked their places of, you know, truthful information, which is why we have the podcast. (laughs) Um, And we try to do that here. We're not trying to tell you what to think necessarily, but we're just providing you information that we know is true. You make your decision from that. We assume that people will make the right decision for themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the interesting things, though, is that, you know, when talking about trying to get anyone involved, but our community especially involved, is that, you know, there's sometimes some pushback to crossing the lines and say going to be part of the local police department, going to be a teacher or running for political office. There's some hesitancy, hesitancy because the community may not necessarily trust those institutions. And so when you cross over and you become part of it, they kind of look at you like you're part of the problem. And when we talk with the chief of New Orleans police, John Ferguson, he talked about the challenges of trying to recruit new officers in particular, black officers, because they were worried people in the community are going to start attacking them, you know, and they wouldn't trust them anymore. But they're the same person. They just now they have a badge and they have a, you know, they're part of the police. And so I guess the the question is, you know, what is the cost to the community and, and the members of that community when you decide not to be involved in the decision making of, you know, running for political office? You're not going to join the local police department to try to change the culture from the the inside out, you know, what is the cost? You know, what's the trade-off when you decide to let someone else handle the problems in our community and we don't get involved? Then they don't get resolved. And that's, that's the last tragedy, right? Um, And if you, if, and someone else will make the decision, Right. Um, and some of it is just hard truth. Um, and, and, and understanding that there's no one answer. This is not right. But if one thing for sure, if you don't get involved, oh, things will still happen. (laughs) (laughs) Um, whether we want them to or not. And sometimes we can live in a bubble where, oh, that's not happening in my community until it happens in my community. Right until it happens on my street, um, and then even if it does, uh, feeling that you have no power, but you do. All of us have got God-given gifts to use, or 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 not. Right. So that's that's where I tell myself, and nobody's gonna you know you can't judge people. Right. Um, I may write people off and say you know I can love you from a distance. I'm gonna be straight. Right. Sometimes right? just don't need to be in the same space, but um, but I think that's the thing, and just let folks know and get there the way you can get get try to get folks to where they can see that, that they do have power, 
and they do can make a difference. Um, and that there is no, there's just no one answer to some of this. And I've, the frustration I've been having has just been some of the, the ways things are kind of not moving. Uh, and I have to remind myself that um, whatever has happened, we, we're going to keep fighting until we win. And we got to keep fighting after that. And I'm a, and do your dash. I tell people, do your dash. You know, when it's all said and done, you do what you can do. And I said it earlier, but have joy. What's so, what worries me is so much rancor and hatred and division and anger that really impacts the spirit, right? I believe that, right? And it really uh, gets to a place where you don't even know when you, that, that it's okay to have some joy. And that's that's a, living as long as I have lived. Thank God, uh, that's what I've tried to learn. It's like you know, I can I can I can have some joy and I can fight. It's okay, it's okay to do both. Uh, but it's not okay just just to fight, right? And not have anything that's almost affirmative. Like what are you what are you fighting for? And then what are you enjoying in life? We only have one. <laughs> One shot at this thing, right? And do you and do your dash to the best you can. That's awesome. That's that's I like that. That's all you can do. Uh, we Devin and I we had a band director and at Mississippi State. His famous quote was, "All you can do is all you can do," and and that's and I I still say that today, even though it's as simplistic as it is, because it's so mm-hmm. true. Um, and, and just one of the things we're, we're going to end this segment here, but we wanted to give a little bit of because I'm sure y'all have been messaging people about local elections because that's what's happening this yeah. year. A lot of people don't tune into local elections. I mean, turnout in local elections is like few and far between. So we just wanted to make sure to highlight a little bit of that, Melanie. Um, what do y'all send uh, to folks out there to really get them to turn out uh, for the local elections this year? Um, just bringing it home to people. I mean, I, I, we have our affiliates that run in Mississippi. Cassandra Welchland who runs our Mississippi Coalition, uh, um, and Deborah uh, Deborah Robinson uh, is, is a part of the co conveners uh, in Mississippi. But we 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 really have a lot of work that we do in the South. Uh, but and, the, and you're right, local really matters, um, and so we don't show up as much. But that's where. If somebody said, well, I can't get this done here in Washington, D.C. on a federal level, but you can get that uh, police reform done on a local level. Mm. Um, and pay attention to what happened on a state level. Because let's imagine if the South truly, if, if Black folks in our really fully utilize our power, we could we could really um, uh, uh, change the, the, the nation. Um, but that's why they, there's always been this fight for those who don't want to see that happen, to make it um, make it more more difficult for us to vote, difficult to win uh, statewide elections as well. So we know it's, it's an uphill battle, but you know who says life's going to be easy? It's not. No, it's it's never easy, and we should know that. Of all the people in this country, we should know nothing is ever easy. Um, and, and I'll just say, lastly, too, you know, for folks who ah, I don't know if I want to really get out and vote in local elections, you know, it, you got to really think about it in this way. Like they wouldn't have tried so hard to take the right to vote away from us if it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. So it, it absolutely yeah. matters on and, a local and, level. And your generation, like uh, that's like the, the, the mass 
Voter younger and younger, younger, younger. Yeah. So I said, young people, you got the power, man, to change all your frustrations, not everything, but if you use it and run for office and do all these other things, don't set it to the sideline for somebody else to come mm. and use that power against you. Use that as one of your tools and and we need young people to do. I know, you know, one day I'm going to get trying to retire. I want to be able to enjoy myself. And no, <laughs> so I'm fighting all I can fight. <laughs> hey, we're, we're right there with you. That's why, Dev, that's why Devin and I are doing this. We're trying to get to a level where we can, you know, when y'all are ready to pass the torch, we can, you know, pick it up oh, and man. run with the mantle. I'm like, torches is a dead. Grab one right now. You already got one. What you doing? I'm serious. But I said, listen, what you're doing is your torch. You know, you ain't on nobody. You all said, we want to be a voice in the community across this country and you set up and you're doing it. So that's your torch, right? By the time you get to my torch, my torch is going to tie, honey. Okay. <laughs> getting okay. all low. You don't have the flicker. You want to light you. I tell you, people, don't, I don't buy into it because pass the torch. No, grab that torch and light that torch now. Yeah. Right? People have me, I tell them that, they say, get your own torch. And I say, oh, okay, I get it. I would have started my own organization, right? You feel where I'm going, right? Now, it doesn't mean some folks don't stay too long. Don't get me wrong. That's too, but on the general sense, I say you are your own torch, right? And what you're doing right now is doing that. So I'm, thank you for this opportunity to meet you all and uh, appreciate you. Absolutely. Absolutely. What we're going to do, we're going to do our last break, Melanie, and we're going to come back with just your final thoughts on the episode. Uh, So listeners stick with us. We'll be right back. Would you like to contribute to our scholarship fund? Would you like to help us partner with nonprofits? Would you like to submit a topic request or maybe even appear on our show? If so, go to patron.podbean.com forward slash black agenda pod. Thank you for your donation and belief in our mission. Let's get back to the show. All right, listeners, let's go ahead and wrap up our episode here with Miss Melanie Campbell. Remember, she's president and CEO of the National Coalition on Black Civic Participation. And Melanie, just to kind of set the stage for your final message, um, you issued a statement on the breakdown in Congress over police reform. Um, you talked about how it's been over a year and we haven't had any action. Um, it's really been decades and we haven't really had a lot of restorative actions on a lot of various issues from employment to housing to schools you know, even hospitals, you know, we've just been inching, inching, inching closer to equality, but not really having that true restorative action. And I think part of that is about having better civic engagement to get us to the finish line. We reported on a story talking about the importance of black unity because we're small in numbers. And you even hit on that black unity and how we can really change the nation. So Melanie, for your final message, Leave us with something to energize our listeners so that they understand that they can have that change and have that power to get the needs and the issues done and mobilize the people to get the government to act on their behalf. Um, I, I guess part of it uh, is a little what I said earlier, and that's really owning it, you know, just own it. Be unapologetic about it, you know, push. It's okay, you know. You may hurt a few feelings. That's okay. And you don't have to have all the answers by yourself. 
I believe working in coalition and and is is a core part of how we can move. And that's what we saw last year with the largest social justice protests, right? Uh, that went global, right? So it's not just looking back at what happened back in the day. It's what's happening right now. And although we have not won federal legislation as an example, we're winning in local communities, which is why you talked about in the earlier how important it is to get engaged on a local level. But just own it and be unapologetic about it and enjoy having having those wins. And when, when, it, when it, if, it, if we fall down, we get back up. And then what it tells us, we fall down, we get back up, and we keep pushing and know that um, you are the leader. You are the leader you're looking for. No, I, I love that message. And, and yeah, I mean, it's it's comes down, like you say, to just owning it, owning the issues in our community, owning the responsibility to say, you know what, I'm going to speak up. I'm going to go to my local, you know, school board meeting and I'm going to speak up about what's being taught to the kids in our schools and, mm-hmm. and fight back against the lies and things we're hearing about critical race theory and, you know, the, you know, the things yeah, that are coming about. Other- that's a, right. We had a conversation That's a whole about that. You know. right? <laughs> <It is. laughs> like, this don't look just like organic to me. No, <laughs> not at all. It, it's strategic, not. like you say. None of this is by happenstance. This is strategic. It's coordinated because critical race theory is critical race theory today. Tomorrow, it could be Black Lives Matter. It could be something else that they're trying to not have taught in the schools. And so you have to be vocal and civic engagement is the pathway to get us there to where you articulate what your, your, you know, what your needs are and then you work together to, to take care of them. Now, are you going to fix everything? No, but that's, you know, the goal is to move the football forward. And the only people that can do that is the ones in our community. We have to own those problems. We can't rely on other people to do it for us. As we have seen, those problems aren't going to get fixed. So we have to make sure. So I appreciate your message and just telling you. people own it. Just straight up, That's just right. own it. Own that power. Get the work done. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, Melly. Thank you for being with Thank us. It's all. a Thank great you. conversation. Um, we need to have this around the clock every year, uh, all the time. It's not only during November, not only during election seasons, but it's something for you to do um, no matter what time of the year it is to better your community and be more civically engaged. So thank you, Melly, for pointing that out to us. Thank you. And listeners, just to give a quick little overview, remember uh, we've had Melanie Campbell, President CEO of the National Coalition on Black Civil Participation. Melanie, before we let you go, would you mind letting our listeners know how they can donate and support NCBCP? Okay. Uh, they can uh, follow us. Uh, our website is ncbcp.org. Uh, they can follow us on Facebook or uh, Twitter uh, at NCBCP, uh, Instagram at the National Coalition. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Just wanted to highlight that. Listeners, make sure you go check out the organization doing some awesome things. Um, we're going to take our last break. Listeners and Devin and I are going to come back and wrap up the episode. But remember, we've had Melanie Campbell on. Great interview. And stick with us. We'll be right back. You have been listening to the Black Agenda podcast hosted by Adrian Guess and Devin Dito. If you enjoy listening to the show, 
Let the host know by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or by visiting patron.podbean.com forward slash Black Agenda Pod and give a few dollars. After all, the Black Agenda Podcast is supported by listeners like you. Let's get back to the show. All right, welcome back, listeners. So as always, we like to leave you with giving you a look forward as to what is upcoming on the podcast. So first up, we'll be back with you on Saturday, this Saturday, October 23rd. That'll be weekly roundup number 19. Again, make sure you tune in for that. That's our chance to give you all the news from the past week. That's interesting news, funny news, political, healthcare, business, finance, you name it. We're probably going to touch on it during our conversations um, so make sure you tune in for weekly roundup number 19 on October uh, 23rd, this upcoming Saturday. So then coming up after that, though. So on Tuesday, October 26th, our next uh, scheduled uh, interview is going to be with Dan Vicuña, who is the National Redistricting Manager for Common Cause. And so he's going to be joining the show to talk with us about redistricting and gerrymandering. So that is we are in that season right now. It is gerrymandering season and redistricting season. You've probably seen a little bit on the news, but we're going to dive into it and talk about what it is, what's going on with it, and why you should be paying attention to it because it affects all of us. So again, we're going to be talking with Dan Vicuña from the National Redistricting, uh, or he is the National Redistricting Manager for Common Calls, and that's going to be coming to you on Tuesday, October 26th. And then after that, it's going to be a doubleheader that week. We're going to have two episodes, one on Tuesday, one on Thursday. Our Thursday episode is going to feature Miss Elaine Frazier. Uh, she is a commissioner with the New York State Independent Redistricting Commission. Now, her conversation is going to be very good as well because we're going to get into kind of the nuts and bolts of what goes into creating these maps and what does a redistricting commission does and what that whole process looks like. So she's been on the board for a very long time and she's got all kinds of knowledge. So you want to tune in for that. We're going to be talking about her, why it's important to be engaged during the process and what goes into it and kind of some of the trade-offs when you don't pay attention to it. So uh, Missy Lane Frazier is going to be with us on Thursday, October 28th. And that we got two great interviews coming out that week. So make sure you tune in Tuesday, October 26th and Thursday, October 28th. Um, so great stuff coming to you. And again, we appreciate you listening and sticking with us. Hopefully you'll be with us next week to hear those two great interviews. But there are actually some other ways you can help us out other than by listening to the show. And that is you can donate to us. You can donate to us. We do accept cash, check, credit card, you name it. We can take it. And Agent's going to let you know how you can do that. Yeah, thank you, Devin. What you can do, listeners, I always say the easy part, go to our website, hit you know, our donate tab. If you're listening to us in the Podbean app, you can click the donate tab from there. Um, we always, you know, well, rather I like to remind you the reason why you're doing this, you know, you're doing it because not only do you support what we're doing, but you really want to see us do even more. Um, like Melanie was talking about, there's a lot of stuff that, you know, we need to do to engage our communities and engage our government. You can't do that with no money. You know, uh, the National Coalition on Black Civic Participation, they have a budget and it's probably a lot larger than what Devin and I have. So that's why we need you to donate. I'm not asking you for a lot, but we are asking for a monthly gift so that we can grow this organization into something that's going to mobilize movements and bring some justice in our society. So like I said, go to our website, blackagendapie.com, click that donate tab and start giving. The other thing we like to do is remind you of a other organization that's doing some great things. 
Remember, we've been talking about Race Forward. Race Forward works to build movements for social and racial justice in partnerships with communities, organizations, and sectors. They build strategies to advance racial justice in our policies, institutions, and culture. Race Forward imagines a just, multiracial, democratic society free from oppression and exploitation in which in which people of color can thrive and have power and purpose. So really, really great organization. Like I said, they're called Race Forward. Go check them out. Exactly. So make sure you check them out. Check us out first, and then you can go check out Race Forward. <laughs> Absolutely. And if you decide to give, give to both organizations. They're doing some great work, as are we here at the Black Agenda Podcast. We always like to recognize other organizations that are active um, in our community. So before we go, we also wanted to let you know that you should you should already be doing this. But if you're not, you can find us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and our handle is at Black Agenda Pod. And again, our handle is at Black Agenda Pod. So make sure you go and follow us. Uh, share everything that you're seeing. Send it to friends, family, coworkers. Uh, we're just really trying to grow the show here and get as many eyeballs on it and many as many people listening to it um, as we can. Um, one other thing you can do is you can actually find us on YouTube. So if you go to YouTube, type in the Black Agenda Podcast. Uh, you'll find our catalog. I think it's got somewhere around maybe 50 videos. Great, great conversations with all sorts of experts from the state of HBCUs. We're talking about critical race theory, mandatory voting, black history, you name it. We've probably talked about it at some point on this show. So make sure you check us out on YouTube and go back and listen to some of the great content uh, that is there. And so again, for me and Adrian, we appreciate you sticking with us and listening. We had a great conversation with Melanie um, and we appreciate her making herself available and her organization is doing some great work. So check them out as well. Again, that's the National Coalition on Black Civic Participation. So until our next two episodes, we'll catch you next time. Oh,